Acts chapter 3, as we look at God's Word tonight, you know, there are special moments where God just works in our lives and He demonstrates His grace and His goodness and He allows us to be a part of, really, His work. And and I am certainly not a determinist. I'm not a fatalist. I don't think that it just everything is just predetermined. But I do believe God takes all things and that He uses them for His good and His glory. I, I really believe God has a way of orchestrating things. And, and it's hard to dismiss that when you read through the book of Acts. Because when you read through the book of Acts, you see how God takes His people and He uses them to spread the good news of Christ. I mean, I have told you that the, I think the central theme of the book of Acts is the triumph of the gospel over every barrier. And what God does is he takes these people and he places them at the right moment, at the right time to advance his gospel, his good news. And those early believers, they didn't know exactly what they were going to be facing. They didn't know all the things that were going to accompany their their actions or their words, but God was using them to somehow make a difference for the kingdom. And I love this, Acts chapter 3, now we're going to look all the way to chapter 4, verse 4, but I want you to see how God takes these moments, what I call kingdom moments, and, and how he uses them to advance the gospel, okay? Let's begin reading in verse 1, it says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, note this. Peter and John, here they go up to the temple. They're going about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. There are two major sacrifices of the day, one at 3, and they go up knowing that they're going to see people, knowing that there's going to be a great crowd. Perhaps they are going, I think they were going intentionally, to be able to witness for Christ in some way. I, I don't think they knew exactly what was going to be ahead of them, but I do believe that they were intentionally going. Remember what God had said to these disciples. He had said to them that they would be witnesses of him even in Jerusalem. And I think as they were going here sometime after Pentecost, as they were going up to the temple, they were going with a full intention of being witnesses of Christ. But notice what God does. God orchestrates this moment. He, he places here in their path a lame man, uh, an individual who had experienced hopelessness, if you will, ever since he had been born. Here he was, and he was crying out to these disciples. And the scripture says 
in verse um, 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask for alms. He had been brought up to the temple. He had been assisted. And now he was begging he was begging for his own livelihood, for alms. Again, perhaps this was a, a moment of where there were great crowds, people of generosity, the, those who would be teaching in the temple and the, at that time would have been uh, encouraging people to give. That was one of the three pillars, if you will, of this Jewish uh, mandate. They could give, they could be generous to people. And here he was thinking that somehow he could receive something that would help him in his life in a substantive way. Well, little did he know what he was about to receive in the name of Christ. A man who was hopeless, a man who had, who had been lame since birth, sees Peter and John. Verse 4, it says, And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. Verse 5, So he gave them his attention, expecting to re- receive something from them. Now get this. He thinks he's about to receive money, something, some resources. He thinks he's about to receive that. Oftentimes, we think that we're going to receive a certain thing, but God's got something else in store, right? I mean, I'll I'll admit, there are moments where I think I've got it figured out, this is what exactly I need in life. And God just kind of rearranges my uh, plans and my agenda and says, hey, I got something for you. And when God's got something for you, it's always better than what you expected, right? Look at this. It says that Peter said to him, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. As one of the professors used to say in, in college, he said, that Peter and John looked at him and said, alms I do not have, but legs I can provide. Right here at this point. Bad joke, isn't it? Bad joke. I always told him it was. Always told him it was. He said, I'm not here with silver and gold, but if what I'm going to do is I'm going in the name of Christ to allow you to walk. And here, this man who had been lame since birth, stands and walks. This is a moment of demonstration. A moment when God shows his power and his strength in this individual's life. Doesn't it remind you some of Jesus' ministry and work in the Gospels? Probably when you hear this and you hear this healing account, it it automatically takes you back to the accounts of Jesus and the way he was able to heal and the way he was able to work in people's lives. Well, it shouldn't surprise us when we see a story like this because Dr. Luke said that I am going to continue to tell you what Jesus was doing in the life of his people and in the church. In the Gospels, you see what Jesus does in his earthly ministry. In the book of Acts, you see what Jesus does through his body, through the people called the church. And now Jesus is doing some of the same things. He has the same power and the same authority. And these individuals were able to speak, notice, in the name of Jesus Christ. They were, this man was healed through the person and the work of Christ. The name, Old Testament, New Testament, the name 
basically signified the person. Somebody's name always signified the person. It stood for this individual, and the person behind the name was the substance of what was occurring. And here it's in the name, in the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that this man is healed. A great demonstration. I told you, I believe Peter and John were going up intentionally to be a witness. I'm not sure they realized that there was going to be such a demonstration of power. But God showed his faithfulness, and God showed his strength, and God showed his power. Again, how many times have we been about our business? I can tell you as a pastor, being about just everyday ministry. And while I understand that God is powerful, and I understand God is able to achieve anything in our lives, there can be moments in my life where I just expect the routine. And just the regular. You know, even when I go visit somebody, I believe in what Christ is doing. But I also realize I I get caught in the world's mentality about just the routine of things in life. And I am thankful when God surprises me, if you will, with a demonstration of his power. That he reminds me. Peter and John, they see a demonstration of the power of God. I do believe that God still shows such power. And I do believe God still brings such healing. It may be in a different way. God, you know, our God, he can choose any way he wants to bring healing to a person's life, can he? I see Dr. Ensminger back there. It's hard to believe that God could use somebody from Jigger, Louisiana... But God uses him. God uses him to to work in people's lives. And God can choose to use a doctor or the medicine he prescribes. God could choose to work uh, and he could work in that way to bring healing. Or God can choose in his own way just to speak in a person's life. You know what? The God we serve, he has his own way of working. He determines the way he deems best to work in an individual's life. I say to you that this God we serve, is still the one that can make lame men walk. He still has that strength. In whatever way he chooses, he can bring healing. I know I'm probably going to divert a little bit from the scripture, and I try not to do that very often. But obviously upon my heart tonight, uh, as I think about a dear friend of mine that was just called to the Lord, Uh, This week, I am reminded that even in death itself, God demonstrates his power and his healing for the believer. Um, Nine years ago this week, I became a pastor in the state of Louisiana. I often refer to my Mississippi roots very fondly, but I am also reminded how blessed I am to have moved here and to be a part of what God is doing. One of the reasons I am in the state of Louisiana is because of a man named George Wells. I posted this on my Facebook Friday or so, and George uh, was the he was the chairman of my pastor search committee that brought me to Louisiana. George was the old Southern orator, if you will. When you heard him pray, he could bring heaven itself down. It seemed 
I called him the silver-tongued pastor search chairman because he just had a way with words and the way uh, to speak with me when, when I came to uh, Louisiana. He's had a number of health issues through the years, number of health issues. Um, about five years ago, they told him that his heart was probably nothing more than mush and that he wouldn't make it very long. I remember his daughter called me about two years ago and said, uh, Brother Reggie, I want to come and start making arrangements with you about the order of service, and I want, you to, I want you to walk through this with me. And I said, Kathy, I said, you know, we'll do that, and I can give you some, some um, direction. I can help you. But, you know, Kathy, you know, there will be plenty of time to do that. What you need to do is just, just spend time with your daddy right now, just, just spend time that God's given you with your dad. And, you know, here God was, still faithful, gave him a couple more years. I, I kept seeing that guy and thinking, how in the world could he keep going, you know? And yet God was showing his strength in his life all that time. Well, I shared this a few Sundays ago, and you probably didn't know who I was speaking of then. But I shared the story about his, his concern or his viewpoint about death and heaven itself. He looked at me one day when I was in the hospital room and he said, I want to talk to you about my funeral. And I said promptly, that's fine, George. I don't want to talk about your funeral right now. And he said, Reggie, if I don't talk to you now, when am I going to talk to you about my funeral? I said, I understand, but it just, I don't want to, this is very hard for me to begin to talk to you about your funeral. And he looked at me and he said, Reggie, he said, um, he said, the way I figure this out, the only way I'm going to see Christ outside of his return is through the avenue of death. I'm okay with that. I'm good with that because I can see him face to face. Lord called him home this week. I'm going down Tuesday to, to help with his funeral. But, you know, I was thinking about that, thinking about the power that God revealed in Peter and John through his name and the lame man walked. God has a way he could bring healing any day to anybody. Couldn't he? Don't you believe that? He could clean out the hospitals. He could, clean, he could do that at any moment. And yet, God in his wisdom and his discernment he knows exactly how to work in an individual's life for his glory and for his goodness. And you know, ultimately, for the believer, the power of God is revealed even in death because it is a transition. It is a transition that we make. And God gives us the victory over death, hell, and the grave itself. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of Christ. That's the power that I see when I read through the scripture and I experience it in my life. So many of us have said, oh, well, those are just things that happened in the scripture. Those have been years ago and all of that. My friend, Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. This is the God we serve. This is the God of power and strength. It was a moment. It was a moment of demonstration, of demonstration of God's power. And then it turned into a moment of celebration. Now, I love this. 
Because here are these kingdom moments that you see that God just works in this, these individuals' life in an unexpected way to bring healing, to bring his power. And then before you know it, there is celebration. Notice in verse 7 it says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So here he is standing up. He, is, he has been healed. So what do you think the first thing it is he does? He's not going to Burger King. He's not running. To, what is he doing? The scripture says, so he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God. What a moment of celebration that this individual experienced, that he was praising. See, this is where I go back to my premise, Jeremy, and I, I know this is the premise that I have and I repeat quite often. I really believe when people see what God has done for them in their lives, there has to be no motivation for worship. Not from us, not from external features, not from cheerleaders. When you realize what God has done for you in your life, you will stand and you will praise and you will celebrate and you don't need to be motivated by anybody else. He didn't have to have a pep talk. Now you got to get into the worship zone. You got to get ready. You know, you're going in the temple now. It's the first time you've, and you got to get ready for this. Didn't have to do all that. It said he worshiped, he leaped, he celebrated. Kingdom moments. When we see the demonstration of God's power, there ought to be a sense of celebration of what is going on. Especially when we know that it was God and God alone that did it. Sense of celebration. And I believe this also pointed back to Isaiah 35, 6. In Isaiah 35, 6, it said, And the lame shall leap like the deer. Many individuals believe that Isaiah 35 was part of the messianic expectation, that during that moment of the Messiah's return, the lame themselves would leap like deer. Have you ever seen a deer leap? I'm not talking about when it goes down after you just leap. I love Rustin. We have some some of the largest number of deer I've ever seen in my life. Have you know? I always find these other folks and I text a picture of my deer that I see walking through my backyard. I text them and just say, you know, Rustin is next to heaven itself you know with all the deer about a year about a two or three weeks ago there were 14 that walked through my back yard and uh and survived they walked through and um it's it's always fun to watch them we we sit around the table a lot of times you can see out our back window and see the deer and my kids will often just just be amazed and to watch them just kind of play, especially the little ones, just run around leaping, playing, you know. The lame shall leap like the deer. Here, this man, he understands what's been, what's happened. Look at this again. He's been in this situation, literally the wording is from his mother's womb. He's been like this. And now... He is able 
to walk. Celebration. Hopelessness to hope. I don't want to get too spiritual with you, but folks, when you recognize that you were dead in your sins and you were absolutely hopeless and Jesus Christ intervened and he looked at you and said to you, now, come, walk, live, experience what life is, there's a sense of celebration that's there. A sense of leaping and praising. It says, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Verse 10, notice how contagious this is. It said, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Not only was the celebration a personal expression, it also seemed to infect those who were around. They were looking and they recognized him. They remembered he was the one that had been there all this time and outside the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. Moment of demonstration, the demonstration of the power of God, moment of celebration. And then what do good preachers do? They take advantage of the opportunities and they stand and they preach. Notice what the scripture says in verse 11. Now as the lame man who was healed held, held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. Here we go. You have a group, you're going to preach. Peter said, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. Now, remember when he's preaching, he knows his audience. He knows his congregation. He knows that these individuals are going to be of Jewish background. Remember, he's in Jerusalem, he's at the temple, he's done his congregational analysis, he knows who these people are, and he begins by calling forth in the authority of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says, it is that same God that glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One, and the just, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Notice that this message is very similar to the one that he delivered on the day of Pentecost. Very similar. There's going to be repetition. He looks at them and he says, recognize that God authenticated Jesus Christ, his life and his ministry. And then... You, as a people, you have rejected Christ. Actually, get the irony of this. You ask for a murderer in his place because you yourselves were murderers in the sense that you killed the prince of life. And notice the terms that he's using. The holy one, the just one. These are terms and titles that resonate with the Jewish audience and congregation at this point in verse 16 and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know 
Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Notice his line of reasoning. He says, certainly he died, but also this was accomplished according to what the prophets had said, according to what God had prophesied through them, and that God had again fulfilled his purpose in Christ. That Christ, he was the, he was the Messiah. He was the anointed one that had been promised. So, verse 19 you got to give an invitation if you give a sermon, right? Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Repentance, a change of mind, a change of will, a change of attitude, a change of direction, he says. He says, repent, change. Allow it to be experienced in your life. Be converted so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I read a little bit on that word refreshing, refreshment. Someone has described it as, as that refreshing moment after a rain. A refreshing moment when you feel the cool breeze blow across your face. That there may be moments of refreshment that you would experience in your life. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise you up, or raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear the prophet shall utterly be destroyed from among the peoples. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Sermon interrupted at least. Notice, he is keying on this idea that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the one that had been foretold by the prophets. Notice all of the, all of the, uh, the authority that he brings, whether it's Moses or whether it's Samuel. He speaks in such a way that he will connect with this Jewish audience to remind them that this is the one who had been prophesied about and the one who had been promised. Again, chapter 4, verse 1. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. A moment of proclamation. He had proclaimed that Jesus was the Christ. It's what the people needed to hear what they needed to receive into their hearts, into their lives. A moment of proclamation, witnessing. That's their purpose, right? To be witnesses of Christ. But in that moment of proclamation, 
In that moment of sharing who Christ was, the sermon was interrupted. The sermon was interrupted by the rulers, by the authorities who came and stopped Peter. Well, it says among the individuals, the captain of the temple, uh, oftentimes he was the assistant to the high priest. He would sometimes be elevated to the priesthood, the Sadducees that came upon him. Because here he was in the midst of the temple. He was teaching and he was preaching. He was doing it in the name of Jesus. And he was talking about the resurrection of Christ. Now, you can see how this would disturb the religious leaders. Because the religious leaders had just condemned Jesus, the the supposed Christ. They just condemned him. He was dead. They didn't want anybody talking about Jesus. They didn't want anybody talking about his resurrection. The Sadducees in particular, because you know the Sadducees did not even believe in resurrection. Another bad joke, but just remember, that is the reason they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in resurrection. I know it's bad, but I'm just bringing them all out tonight, getting them out of my system. I will not mention these again, okay? Hold me to my word. They didn't believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in the miracles of God. And they certainly didn't want Peter speaking about all of this Jesus stuff. They didn't want him speaking about that. They laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So you move from a moment of a moment of demonstration and a moment of celebration, a moment of proclamation to a moment of dedication. Here they are. They come in contact with the authorities. And now they have to show their dedication and their devotion to God. They get the opportunity. And I'll When you read through the book of Acts, you see how this happens. You'll have a great moment where celebration is taking place, and then it'll be like, boom. Celebration has been replaced by threats, by imprisonment. You see this constantly. But may I say to you that God gives us opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom when we're celebrating, and also when we face the threats, even imprisonment itself. It's amazing how God uses all this. And and you feel this tension, or I do. When I read the book of Acts, it's like, yes, we're winning. And then the next moment it seems like, oh, this is not good. I mean, if you're reading it for the first, I know you, you say, Dr. Reggie, I can't believe this. I've read Acts. You know how this all turns out. Remember, Luke is trying to tell a story here and work with him through the story. One moment, it seems like everything's great. One moment, it seems like the gospel's being threatened. But listen, even in those moments where they come and they lay hands on the disciples, even in those moments, they are able to give witness to Christ. They are able to demonstrate dedication to him and devotion to him. And notice in verse 4, that's where I want to stop tonight because it says, however, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. In other words, yes, the authorities came and they were going to imprison them, but it did not stop the gospel of Christ. They were going to later on issue threats to them. 
but it will not stop the gospel of Christ. There will be moments where the church will face obstacles, they will face hostilities that that will come against them, but the gospel will triumph over every barrier. It will just continue to keep going because the power of God, as it was reflected in the lame man's life, it will bring forth the gospel to all of the world. That is what you continue to see. And that is what strengthens me as a believer. To know that God will take his good news and that he will continue in his power and his strength to advance his kingdom. Do you see the progression already? In Acts, there in the beginning, you see 120 believers. On the day of Pentecost, there are 3,000 believers. Now it says we're up to 5,000 individuals who have come to faith. Because the good news of Christ cannot be stopped by any type of opponent, not by Satan himself. Because God, through His Son, the Lord Jesus, has all power and all strength to accomplish His purpose and to bring forth His kingdom. I am encouraged that there are kingdom moments. I'm encouraged that God will use you and he'll use me for those kingdom moments. Sometimes they may come unexpected and we'll just see his power demonstrated. When that happens, may we just stop at his people and marvel and wonder and show our gratitude toward him by praising him. May we take it opportunity whether it's in celebration or maybe it's in the difficulty of life, may we take that opportunity to remind people of the hope that is within us. May we remind them of the Savior who came and the good news that gives life to individuals. May we be the people who will stand and know that whatever this world brings no matter what its hostility and its threat against us, that God still works in such a way to bring people into the kingdom and to grow them and to work through them for the good news, for the kingdom itself. May we continue to be encouraged by that. And may we tomorrow, wherever we are, look for a kingdom moment where we can make a difference. Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Uh, <laughs> Father, we are thankful that you, in your own way and in your own will, accomplish your task through us. God, we are thankful for the power that you still reveal in people's lives. Sometimes it's in physical issues that they're facing. Sometimes, Lord, we have seen it in relational issues. And certainly we've seen it within our spiritual lives, how you have given us life. You have given us forgiveness. 
And God, I pray that you would challenge us tonight. That tomorrow, wherever we go and whatever we do, that you would allow us to see your work and your activity. And you'll let us be a part of those kingdom moments. Father, continue to use your people. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.